Um, ever since I've uh, ever since I've lived here in Canada, um, I've been, uh, which is now you know what, 17 years maybe, you know, with a four-year break in the middle. Uh, but um, I've always been impressed at how long the roads are. Okay, the roads go on and on and on, and uh, I and. One of the interesting facts, actually, is that do you all know where Rideau River Provincial Park is? Between Kempville and North Door. Lovely place, great for dog walking in the winter, and also it's lovely for enjoying in the summer. It's uh, really enjoy it. Well, you can drive from Rideau River Provincial Park all the way to nearly Almont without turning a corner. Okay? You can drive nearly all the way from Rideau River Provincial Park, nearly all the way to Almont, and I'm talking nearly, I'm talking super close, like, you know, not far at all without turning a corner. 65 kilometers with no turn. 59 minutes of driving with no turn, and this isn't a highway, okay? You know, this isn't a motorway, and the road name changes, yes, but there are no turns, and there are a couple of maybe bends in the road, but there aren't any turns. So you go from McCordick to Eagleson, then Eagleson turns into March, and then you keep on going on March all the way to Almont. And, uh, well, it's, it's this phrase, right? You keep going straight, okay? I'd never heard the phrase, keep going straight, until I came here to, here to Canada. In Wales and in England, right? We do not say keep going straight. And when I first came here, I thought it was the most ludicrous thing I ever heard. Like, why would you tell someone to keep doing what they're doing? Of course you keep doing what you're doing until you have to do something else. You know, you tell someone to turn left or right, you don't tell someone to keep going straight, right? And so I thought this is insane. Um, and so I kept, you know, with my, you know, UK pride, I was like, all these silly Canadians with their unnecessary phrases. Um, but then, after being here, I understand why you need to be told to keep going straight because it makes no sense to keep going straight unless you keep going straight because the roads are so long. So Wales, uh, how it is, right, is that is towns and cities are built up over hundreds or even thousands of years. For example, the town where I grew up in, Nice, um, in Welsh, it's called Castellnev. Um, but it used to be called Needham. And Needham, this town Neath, started out as a Roman fort in 76 AD. This is while some of the apostles in the Bible were still alive. My town in Neath started as a Roman fort. And then Needham built up over time. And it changed its, and it changed its name from Needham to Neath at some point, And it grew through the medieval period and expanded during the Industrial Revolution. Uh, that's my town called Neath. It's not even a big town, it's just this little place in Wales. Well, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because when a town builds up like that over time, it has lots of winding roads because that town gets added to and added to over the years. So there's lots of turns, lots of twists. So in Wales, you never need to be told to keep going straight. So we don't say it, it's not part of our vocabulary. If you go to Wales and say to someone, keep going straight, 
they will, they will look at you confused. But then Canada, we need to be told to keep going straight. So, and this road from Rideau River Provincial Park to Almont, that's a great example, right? So when McCordick turns into Eagleson, I need to be told to keep going straight. And when Eagleson turns into March, I need to be told to keep going straight. And when you go through maybe Kanata and you're out the other side, you need to be told to keep going straight. The road changes, but the directions are the same. Keep going straight. And in a way, this past year and a half has kind of been like a journey from Rideau River Provincial Park to Almont. It's been a lot of going, keep going straight. Sure, there have been changes along the way. We've had third wave, first wave, second wave, third wave, um, you know, McCordick, Eagleson, March, one lockdown and then another. But the advice has been more or less the same, to keep going straight. Listen to the advisories as we heard, heard from Krista just a few weeks ago. Keep calm and what? Carry on, okay? That's what we've been hearing. And when you're going straight, there's not a lot to think about. You're, you, you, you just keep on going straight. But eventually, at some point, you need to stop, keep going straight. And you need to turn the corner, right? You can't keep going straight forever and ever. You see, keep going straight takes you nearly to Almont. But not quite, because as you get into Almont, you see a roundabout. And the very nature of a roundabout means that there's a turn that needs to be navigated. More directions are needed. Now, earlier this year, we fasted and prayed for two weeks as a church. Hands up if you remember that. Yeah, we had that time and we fasted and prayed as a church. And... Uh, and as a result of that time of fasting, I've heard from some of you sharing what you believe God is saying to us as a church family. And in the emails and the messages that I've received from you, I, I hear passion and I hear hope for a future. And I think I also hear the heart of God himself. And so if you heard from God during that time and you still haven't written to me, what you think you've heard from God, then please make the time to uh, write because I would really value hearing what, what God is saying to you through the church. He doesn't only speak through the pastor, right? I'm just one of many people in the church who he speaks to. And so as we head into fall, we're, we're going to be trying to figure out how as a church we're going to turn the corner. What does this next season look like for us as a church family and one of the decisions that we have to make is what are we going to do with our sanctuary space? Will we leave it as it is? It's fine, it serves a purpose, it works, it's great. Or do we transform it into a multi-purpose room that can be used throughout the week and not only for two hours on a Sunday morning when we're not meeting outdoors? What do we do about our Cornerstone kids midweek? Do we hire someone or not. But I think prior to prayerfully um, making these decisions as a church, uh, we need to understand what turning the corner looks like. And for that, we need to turn to our last chapters in the book of Exodus, chapter
chapters 35 to 40. And hopefully you each, had, um, you each have a, um, a sheet that you can make sermon notes on. Okay, if this is something which we're trying. And I'd love to hear from you what you think about them. And so, and so please use them. If you need a pen, there, there are pens at the back table. And we would love to make, make those available to you. So, are you ready to turn the corner? So first of all, turning the corner, and here's my little driving steering wheel. So we have to turn the corner. And the first part of turning the corner is rest. Okay, the first part of turning the corner is rest. Everyone say rest. Rest. First part of turning the corner is rest. Exodus chapter 35 verses 1 to 3 says this. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community, a bit like we are this morning. And he said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest unto the Lord. That's Exodus 35, 1 to 3. So hands up if, we, if you think that if we've heard the word rest or the word Sabbath before in the book of Exodus. Right? Over and over and over and over again. It talks about Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. And if you were to scan through the remaining chapters in the book of Exodus, you would know that the Israelites have a lot of work ahead of them as they build the tabernacle. But they need to hear from God. Okay, so to use our driving analogy again, if I'm not sure where I'm going, I need someone to tell me when to make the turn, right? But if I can't hear them because the music is so loud, or I'm on the phone with someone else, then I will miss the turn. And when you miss the turn, things get rather complicated. Wendy and I were driving to find out where her placement is starting on Monday, and uh, we were driving there, and we missed the turn, and we ended up having to do probably maybe 10 kilometer round trip to, to make our way back to where we had to. Okay, we missed the turn and so friends it's only as we rest from the noise of life that we have the space to hear from God and that's why turning the corner starts with a pause it starts with a pause it starts with a day of rest it starts with listening it starts with Sabbath everyone say Sabbath Sabbath. you see what's just happened is that the the Israelites have uh, royally screwed up as we heard last week right you know that whole incident with the cow idol they were locationally far from god do you remember that they were locationally far from god and they were directionally moving away from him well now they've repented and they've turned around and they're still locationally quite far from him but they're moving back you know towards him and so they're wondering what to do next and the first thing that god says to them is to remind them that rest is built into the blueprints of their life and their society. And so friends, for you and I this morning, we need regular times to unplug and to get some distance from the noise of the world. Because it's only in rest that we can rediscover ourselves. It's only in rest that we can rediscover God. And it's only in rest that our souls have time to breathe, to inhale and to exhale. 
And it's only in the quiet of rest that we can actually hear God say, stop going straight, turn here. So if we don't get this thing right, church, then we're going to get the rest of it wrong. We're going to miss the corner. We will, we will zone out and be mesmerized by the road and just keep on going straight. And so as we move into fall, uh, I realize this is a loaded question, but how is your rest? Are you taking time and making time to be with family and with friends? To be with God, to practice Sabbath, to listen to God, and to hear from Him. And once we've quieted our hearts through Sabbath, we're ready for our next step. And our next step is to hear from God. So we're turning the corner. We've we've uh, heard from Him, or we're, we've we've silenced ourselves and quieted our hearts. And we now hear God. And, and we can call this his request. So the first point of turning the corner was rest. And the second point of turning the corner is listening to God's request. This is the moment when God says to us, turn here. This is, and what God's request simply is, is God telling his people how he wants them to be involved in what he's up to. So Exodus 35 verse 4 says this, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering. This is God's request. And, and, and so as, as, as God's people turn the corner, God's inviting his people to be involved. Now, notice God's not forcing anyone Instead, he appeals to their willingness. It's a free will offering. Yes, he does make a command. It says, you know, this is what the Lord has commanded. But he doesn't command them to give. He commands them to make a decision on what they're willing to give. And so this command is to do an inventory of your soul and to do an inventory of your stuff and to make a decision under no compulsion whatsoever what you want to give God. And then as we read on in the context of Exodus, we see that this request that uh, God made was super specific. Exodus 35 verse 5. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Now I have no idea how we would count the offering if, there, if things like leather showed up in the plate or things like onyx stones or blue and purple yarn. I have no idea. How we, I, know, I don't know how you get a tax receipt for that. But, uh, but that's what the specific request was then. And so, you know... And so as I look at us this, this morning, some of us are ready to serve. We are ready to get involved. We are thrilled to be meeting together again and worshipping and we're champing at the bit, asking, how can I be involved? And, and maybe even God has already spoken to you about he, how he wants you involved. But I suspect that most of us aren't there yet. 
Maybe your heart is really busy. And I know that when I talk about God's request of you, some of you, your mind goes straight. Like if you're someone who was raised in church, when I talk about God's request, your mind goes straight to, I should be involved. I ought to be involved. And I see some smiles rising on folks' faces as I say this. And so if this is you, I want to stop you right there. I want to stop you at that moment. Because if your spirit inside you is starting to chirp and to say things like, I should and I ought to, then stop. Because you cannot make good decisions out of a busy life, out of a hurried life. You cannot turn the corner if if you're barreling down the highway at 120 kilometers an hour with the music blasting. You cannot hear God say, turn here, stop going straight. And really, uh, friends, over this past week, God has brought it uh, you know, into my mind, and I shared it with the board on Thursday, that um, I think that many of us are simply really busy. There's a lot occupying our minds and our hearts. Our kids have just returned back to school, maybe, or we're in the process of returning to the workplace or we aren't sure if we're returning to the workplace or not or we've seen our kids leave for college or full-time work and there's now an extra room in the house there's an extra seat at the table maybe we're mourning the loss of a loved one maybe we have loved ones in long-term care or we've been you know traveling through the summer and we're tired Or we're wondering, when are we going to see our loved ones again? Maybe we feel, you know, the temperature cooling outside and we're already thinking about winter and how are we mentally going to cope with these long winter months? And we're thinking about the elections and we're thinking about, you know, the Delta variant and we're thinking about our health concerns and our financial concerns. And so it's absolutely vital that as a church that we turn the corner together at the rate that God thinks is best. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then God does have a request for you. He has a place that he wants you to serve. He has a place that he wants you to be involved. But you need to be, first of all, in a place of rest. And it's out of that rest that God says to us, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering and so my heart just really goes out you know to each of us who right now are feeling harried you know um, when I met with the board on Thursday you know we were mostly on on zoom and I started the meeting by saying my mind is humming at the moment it's absolutely buzzing there's just so much going on in my mind and I said to the board I want you to speak into my life and they each went through, I have probably six mini-sermons, you know, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and on and on, and I went from person to person, and at the end of hearing God's truth, I was in a place ready to move ahead with our board meeting, okay, but, but, but we have that, right, you know, it's the hurriedness, it's the hum in our brains, it's the busyness, and, uh, and we have to, for the sake of our souls, find that place of rest and it's out of there that God says everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering and so once we've experienced rest 
And once we've heard God uh, make his request, we can then respond. And this is the third part of turning the corner. Rest, request, and respond. A bit like mirror signal maneuver. Exodus 35 verse Verse number 20 says this, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for all the sacred garments. All, all who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, and the list goes on and on. Now, I, I love this, because after hearing God's request, the people withdraw. They leave. And then they go home and they have a conversation with their family or, that, or their significant other. Or if they were single, then they went back you know, to their tent and they had some time to think and to pray about it. They don't make the decision there in the presence of God and of Moses. They go home. There's no manipulation tactics going on here. This isn't like high-pressure sales. No, this isn't people who are caught up in the emotion of the moment and making a decision in public that they later regret. This isn't a youth conference, right? This is going back to the privacy of their home, of the kitchen, of the living room, of the tent, and seeing, asking themselves, how is my heart moved by God and some people respond as they give and so they give their gold earrings and their purple yarn and their bronze and their, and, and their precious stones some people respond as they give and other people respond as they serve and so you have the skilled women who uh, spun the yarn for the tabernacle and you have Oholiab and Bezalel, who were, who were the project managers and the teachers who trained others in creating the sanctuary. Some gave and some served. But the main thing is that they all responded and they all responded out of rest. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, including you. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If, if it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it, is, if, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Each of us has a gift in Christ. I remember when I was a teenager, um, maybe 16, I, I volunteered with Teen Challenge in, not in Neath, not in Needham, but in the next town, Swansea. And uh, I would go there on a Saturday night with the Teen Challenge bus, and we would chat with the homeless people there and the drunk people who were going from one club to another. And I was nervous and I had a stutter and I didn't know how people would respond to me sharing, you know, the good news of Jesus with them. But I felt compelled. I felt moved. Because I knew the good of Jesus, I knew the good news of Jesus, and I knew that they needed to hear it. So I went out week after week, and God stirred my heart with compassion for these homeless people. And one time during this season in my life, I remember going to Swansea City Centre. It was like our shopping centre, our nearby sh shopping centre. Neath was 
not the grass not the best places so we would usually jump on the train and go into Swansea and I was there and and as and, and, and as I was uh, shopping I met a homeless guy who was um, on the street selling this magazine that many homeless people sell to make money known as the big issue and he told me about his plan to leave Swansea and to go to another city to make a new start and he was saving up for this and so as we were chatting uh, I asked him if he was hungry and he said yes and so I went to McDonald's you know to get him a burger but while I was getting a burger a plan emerged in my mind you see I knew that I had money in my bank account not a lot maybe 50 pounds that I'd saved from my weekly paper round and so after after getting the burger I went over to the bank and I withdrew the 50 pounds that's what I think it was and I folded it up and I placed it under the burger in the polystyrene box because burgers were served in polystyrene boxes back then. And then I went to the man and I handed in this meal with the money under the burger and I left and I crossed the street and I went around the corner and I looked around the corner and I watched him. And I watched him as he, you know, had the fries and the drink and the burger. And then I saw that moment that he found the money under the burger, right? And, you know, and then I just left. Now, if a teenager came up to me today and said, okay, Pastor Dan, I want to give most of the money, if not all of the money in my bank account to a homeless person to help them move to another city, I wonder what I would say. I wonder what sort of words I would say to them. I would probably counsel them to be wise. I would say, are you sure that this person is telling the truth? How do you know that they're going to use the money in this way? And I might even, you know, try to convince them not to get all. Why don't you just only give maybe 20 pounds? Not the 50 pounds. Why don't you just keep 30? Because you don't know what you might need it for later. And I'd also probably get them to really verify, is this God speaking to you? Or is this just your, your heart? You know, look inside. Exodus 35 says this, And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord. Friends, I'm so glad I didn't have a pastor Dan to speak me out of giving this money you know, to this homeless person because, because I was willing and my heart moved me. And I still remember this story nearly 25 years later, just me saying that, I feel old. You know, 25 years later. Now, I don't know how he used that money. I don't know if it was the start of the rest of his life or if he blew it on drink that night. I have no idea. I don't know if he now has a family or a home or, or if he's six feet underground. I don't know any of that. I don't know if I could have used that money in a quote-unquote wiser way. But I know that my heart was moved. And I trust that act of faith and obedience as a young man who loved Jesus, pleased God. And I believe on that day that I turned a corner and I wouldn't have it any other way. And so I see the corners that we've turned as a church. I look at the showroom. That was a corner turned. And the roof. That was a corner turned. And I look at the, at the homeless people that we've been ministering to over this past year. That's a corner that we've turned. And I look at church online. That's a turned corner. And I look at hiring a youth pastor. And I look at stepping out in faith to do church outdoors. These are all turned corners. And I look at this wagon underneath my 
feet and I look at the sound equipment which we've purchased and the volunteers who've worked countless hours to make all of this a possibility. And so I look at the corners that we've turned as a church that have led us to where we are now. And I think of the youth leaders who welcomed 58 teams on Wednesday night. That was a corner turned. And those teams who were coming in off the street because there was something exciting going on. I see all of this. And, and the conversations which I've either heard or been part of this week as to how we can move into kids' church and, and how we can move into nursery. How can we move ahead with this? These are all corners which we're turning. And so, and so my question for me and for us is this. What is the corner that God's calling us to turn as a church? How do we stop, keep going straight? And maybe we don't know the answer to that yet. But step one to turning the corner is rest. As we create that space so that we can hear God speak to us. And step two is hearing God's request to us. How is he leading us? What is he whispering into our ears? What is, how is he calling each of us to be part of the Great Commission in the context of North Gore and surrounding areas? What is God saying to you? Everyone who is willing is to bring, uh, is, is to, bring to the Lord and an offering and step three of turning the corner is the response are you willing maybe you're not willing and that's okay we're all on a journey but then let me ask you this are you willing for God to make you willing Exodus 35 then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work now, next week, we'll look further into how we turn the corner as a church. But this is how we start to navigate the corner. By resting in his presence, by hearing his request, and by responding in faith.